How can we make the world better? By making ourselves better. The Dr. Joe Show explores how you can make positive personal change by using his groundbreaking and highly effective I Am approach to understand who we are and why we do what we do. Your small changes can have big effects. Join us now for the Dr. Joe Show with Mark Stiles of Stiles Law, Thomas McCoy, and your host, Dr. Joe Schrand. Welcome to the Dr. Joe Show. So nice. Really a nice, nice intro, Mark Stiles of Stiles Law. Well, thank you, Dr. Joe of the Dr. Joe Show. Nice, yeah. Tom, could you introduce our guests for tonight? Absolutely, Dr. Joe. Tonight, we are honored to have back Mr. Tristan Jantz and joining him, Question ATL. Tristan Jantz is a Los Angeles-based performer, producer, songwriter, and educator. He specializes in engaging listeners with emotion and storytelling, and his online guitar coaching helps guitarists of all levels reach their goals. Tristan is also the founder Founder of the Heart Music Method, which helps students learn blues-based styles of music as a language. Question ATL is a blind artist, producer, and advocate on all streaming and social under Question ATL. Welcome to the Dr. Joe Show. Yeah, I am so honored to have both of you guys here. Yo, I'm Welcome. a fan. I'm a fan, Dr. Joe. Well, that's so nice of you. And, and I, I just want to let the audience know that we're we're in a series now where we're talking about the actual application and impact of the I am on people's lives and how it has made an influence. Just to remind people, the I am idea is that no one is broken. We're always doing the best we can at every moment in time, influenced by the four domains of your home, social domain, your biological, and the I see, how I see myself, how I think other people see me. The idea that we respond to the way we think other people are viewing us. And that can be a very powerful thing. It turns out it's theory of mind. Theory of mind. We cannot see someone's mind. So we have to theorize and guess what they think are real, especially about us. So I, I'm going to start with Tristan, if it's okay, because I've known Tristan for a long time. And Tristan, when, when did I first talk with you about the I am? Do you remember? Probably around when I met you, I think around uh, 2015, maybe. Yeah. And, yeah. and what's, what's your understanding of it? Um, well, basically this idea that, that each, uh, at each moment we are doing the best we can given our four domains and given our our environmental and our internal factors. And it's not, it's not a way to, um, I think when I've mentioned it to people or explained it to people, most people resonate with it right away. Some people misunderstand like, oh, is it, is it about making an excuse for others or an excuse for myself? But it's not that it's a way to have compassion for yourself and compassion for others and to see a way to make small changes to improve your I am for the very next moment or for the next opportunity, find ways to, um, to adapt and change, um, through compassion. I think that is absolutely right on. And you and question ATL 
somehow you, you guys have connected in Los Angeles or you, you were doing a show together. Question ATL, how did you meet Tristan? Yeah, we actually met through a band. He and I are a part of a band together called Midair Decision. Um, he had some friends at Berkeley that are close friends of mine. Um, our friend Ovi, who's in the band, and, um, and Precious Perez, who's also in the band, went to school together. And they're also both blind musicians. Uh, so we, we come together as a band. Um, and I got a chance to work with Tristan in Kentucky. And um, we visited there twice, but on our most recent trip, uh, he was introducing me to to the IM. Um, because personally, like before I had come in contact with the concept, like I, I approach uh, life kind of similarly, but just more, I was thinking a lot of like manifestation and kind of speaking your reality into existence and kind of being very aware of um, your responsibility, uh, but that doesn't necessarily explain how you interact with other people and the perspective that other people may be interacting from. So when Tristan talked to me about the IM, um, it was very empowering to me and kind of opened up a, a, another level of understanding for me and gave me uh, a huge way to show compassion to people. Well, I certainly appreciate it. And, and you guys are creating incredible music with each other. So, so question is, so you have a, a group of musicians who are blind? Um, a few, actually. Uh, I, I work as a solo artist. I have a couple of um, songs released. I just released my debut EP to all streaming platforms. Um, and apart from that, I've been blessed to work uh, collaboratively on a few different projects. So Tristan and I um, work as a part of a band with other musicians that are blind. And then I also have a collective of predominantly um, hip hop and like R&B producers that are blind that span the US, UK and Canada. So we have to get a link to to your new music. Absolutely, for sure. Tom will be able to post that. Um, Thank you. Absolutely. And, and Tristan, you're doing some new music as well, I know. Yeah, so the, the music that uh, Malik and I have worked on together is not released yet, but it's, it's going to be released soon. And um, I put out one single as a solo artist last year, and my next one's coming out on May 5th on Cinco de Mayo. Um, and it's kind of a relevant song to mental health. I found that most of my most of my recent songs are relevant in some way to it, but, but th this song I wrote um, during the pandemic, and it's about balancing um, wanting to chase your dreams with being content where you are and enjoying the stage of life you're at. Um, and uh, part of it's about deciding whether to move somewhere new and try something new. And ultimately I did. <laughs> so I have, I have now moved to Los Angeles. Um, and I think the answer that I found later that I didn't find when writing the song is, is, um, when you're chasing things or when you're, when you're going after things is continually asking yourself, are you doing this action out of trust or out of fear? I found that to be a really a big game changer. You can perform the exact same action, like releasing a song or 
getting something done or going to work or moving to a new place out of um, out of trust that through through following that you will find your way and that things will align for you or you can do it out of fear that if you don't do it um, you won't amount to something or something bad will happen or you'll be a failure or something like that so the same actions the the kind of part of the I see how you see yourself at least that portion of it um, but also how, how others see you or how you think others are going to see you um, that changes a lot of the the energy you're putting out to yourself and putting out to those around you as you're taking these steps those are extremely different motivations out of fear versus trust so which one which one is driving you more Tristan I like to think trust, but I think it's it's a continual question I ask myself. Like if I notice myself starting to um, put a lot of energy into something, I just kind of check in with myself and make sure I'm doing this out of trust. And um, if I'm not doing it out of trust, I take a step back and find a way to ask to kind of see if it's possible to reframe it. Like what would it feel like and what would it look like to be doing this same action out of trust? If it's an action I still want to be doing, and if it's not an action I still want to be doing, then that um, that gives me the chance to take a step back and refocus my my energy. I think that's a great qualifier. Um, fear versus trust. That's something I definitely need to like make a point to keep in mind more. Mark, you got some thoughts on that? Well, what what defines trust for you, Tristan? I think ultimately um, putting trust in other people, I've realized ultimately comes down to having a trust in yourself um, or a trust in, in a higher power if you're religious or spiritual. But, but ultimately, um, you know, I can get on an airplane and take a flight somewhere and I can trust that the pilot's going to get us there safely. But ultimately, sometimes things are out of other people's hands and it's, it's having a deeper trust in yourself that you're going to be okay. You're going to get through things or in, in an extreme situation like that, I think um, a deeper trust in the universe or religion or something like that helps a lot of people. Um, but even just day to day interacting with people, working with people, you're always putting your trust that they're going to hold up their end of the bargain or follow through. But ultimately, I think for me, it's, it's also knowing that um, having the, the trust in yourself that you can um, adapt and be flexible and and keep going if things do go unexpected. So Q, mm -hmm. tell tell us how the I am approach has affected you and um you know how far down the rabbit hole did you go with it? For sure. Um I feel like I'm still deep diving right now. Uh, it's it's, a, it's an active uh process which I think is like the best way to explore something like this. I feel like you you never stop learning. Um, so Tristan and I uh, had a conversation with the band. And from that point, um, he told me like, yo, like Dr. Joe speaks, like, you know, he has a show, like you could probably find some stuff on them. So like, uh, I was curious, cause I was just like, I wanted to ask Tristan so many questions, but he was like, dude, we gotta make music. You can't be talking about this all day. <laughs> so <laughs> I went to YouTube um, and I found, Dr. Joe, like you did a podcast speaking on your book, The Power of Respect. Um, and so I watched like an interview with you um, just outlining the I am more and talking about the four domains. And I started to really get 
uh, my own understanding for each of those domains and started to just kind of like ask a lot of questions in my head and to myself. Um, and like, that's been the biggest challenge for me with the I am is um, something you spoke about in one of the podcasts you did is like having that like default reaction, like that kind of um, physical, like instinctual reaction when a situation is happening and then taking that time, that second to like step back and like respect or respect the person um, and really just uh, take in a different view. Like that's a very difficult thing to train uh, yourself to 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 change and that, that at least for me like that's what I've found so I've been like practicing that a lot so respect step back rethink mm -hmm. before reacting mm -hmm. did you have issues with your responses with people before understanding the I am um not like incredibly but I'm just a very direct and passionate person I'm very honest I feel uh like I'm very expressive and I feel like I don't respond well when that is not received well. So it's about kind of learning why that may be and what I can do in any situation to um, to help the situation as opposed to like reacting to it. So you take a step back and realize maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I need to listen more and respect that person's point of view before I push my my understandings of it definitely definitely or maybe i just like misunderstand like i jump yeah. to a conclusion or um i just like rush to to something um or like i might want a certain outcome and i have to make space and even if i don't agree with the point of view it's about respecting the person um and and making space for that person to to feel valued and feel um appreciated over like whatever the goal might be like sometimes i get tunnel vision yes i hear that <laughs> isn't this no, amazing? my dog is not respecting my view right now <laughs> <laughs> we isn't are fine a, with that <laughs> isn't it an amazing concept don't you want to stand up on the top of the mountaintops and scream down to everybody to make sure that they are aware of this too no absolutely because um it, it, the, the thing that was very empowering for me is that we are all doing the best we can. So even when we don't understand something or when we when we don't, when we're not able to like get across what we're trying to communicate, like it's not the end of the world. We can still improve. And it's very it's like we have the control. Like it, it isn't um something that excuses you. It's actually something that gives you a chance in every moment to move forward and to figure out how to improve yourself which like that never, I don't know how you could ever stop being excited about that. Right. Agreed. Yeah. I, I must say my oxytocin is flowing here, guys. So <laughs> I, I really so appreciate this. Uh, and, and part of it is because, you know, I've, I've been living the I am since 1982. I mean, I really believe it, but to hear other people live it, it's, I, I sort of equate it to what it's like, as a performer, where you're up there on stage and you don't know sometimes how you're gonna influence an audience and then they're quiet because they're listening. And then they burst in applause. 
I, I, you know, I see the two of you smiling because you know what that experience is like. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we, we are always going to be limbic. That, that reflexive response, it's going to happen. But then we can step back and look again and we can reflect. Much more important to be reflective than reflexive. But the reflexive part is never going to go away part of how we've survived and we need that part to survive but we don't need to act on it thinking that the only reason we can survive the only way we can survive is to make sure somebody else doesn't you know for millennia human beings have increased their value by decreasing somebody else's and then we're astonished that that other person the other group the other country does the same so that's why, you know, it's, it's wonderful to hear you guys actually living it. Um, before the I am, how would you have responded different? To you, I'll start with you and then Tristan, to, to some event. How would you have responded different? Um, that's the thing. I feel like I'm very new in the process. So I don't think I'm like the best example. Like I'm still learning so much practice. Like the, I'm at that point where I'm seeing the options that are available to me and I'm hoping to be um, impacted uh, in, 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 in a way every day. Uh, but I feel like I, I just would have been a lot more reflexive. I feel like I wouldn't have had the wherewithal to consider perspectives as quickly. Um, I am very still like um, just very quick to like push my perspective, um, but now I feel like I do it in a way that is considerate of the energy in the environment around me. Um, I really try to feel out uh, the space that I'm in and and what I should give to that space or what someone else may need there. Everyone's at an I am, right? So, so that's also an I am. Rather than judge ourselves, I should be doing better. Let's look again at why we do what we do. and and. Believe me, the vast majority of people uh, are reflexive, you know, and, but every brain can learn to be reflective, you know, to wonder instead of worry. Wonder is a remarkable, remarkable part of who we are. It's, it's that part of awe, you know, like, wow, what is going on here? Tristan, you know? I, I know a little bit about your background, but how... How were, were things different before you started? Because you've been doing the IM for a while now. Yeah, I think, I think by middle school or high school, you know, somewhere around there, I, I became pretty good at um, seeing from other people's perspectives when I was at my best, but then I was still reactionary at times and stuff as, as most kids are and as most people are. But I think that the IM helped shift, sh uh, shift the depth of my understanding for others and my default. Like, I think a lot of us can, can find ourselves in a default of um, taking things personally when other people are behaving disrespectfully towards us um, or sometimes even assuming that others are um, having negative intentions or something like that with us. And I think that, um, I think it shifted the depth of what I was uh, looking at with other people to really before I even got the chance to get reactionary to kind of understand, okay, this person 
is is possibly going through these things. Sometimes you know, sometimes you don't know. Um, so if, if I know it's something I'm aware of, like, oh, this person in my life has been really sick or hasn't been getting enough sleep or they're going through these things right now and, and not taking it as personally, but also just when, when I don't know, instead, of, like if it's a stranger, instead of, um, instead of my assumption being that they are, you know, trying to be disrespectful intentionally towards me and that it's personal or something, I, I think it's shifted it to almost filling in my head some imaginary reason of like, you never know, it could be this, it could be that, but I'm going to almost give them a benefit of the doubt that there's some sort of reason going on in their life. I'm not going to excuse the behavior if it's something that needs to be addressed. I'm still going to deal with it, but I'm not going to come at it, I'm less likely to come at it from a very defensive um, position where it feels like, like I'm being personally attacked um, if someone's being disrespectful. Um, and I think it's, it's something, it's an exercise I practice a lot actually during very calm moments. Like I think as, as musicians and artists, we're always looking for noticing things in the world that probably everyone's noticed or noticed before, but finding new ways to, to, to say it and to express it. And I was on the way home from the airport, dropping a friend off. And I had a moment where I like made eye contact with the guy driving next to me on the highway. And I remembered how awkward that can be because it's easier to not look at other people on the highway and pretend everyone's just a metal box. We're all just these cars on the highway. And, and a lot of people in Los Angeles get very frustrated with the traffic as in a lot of major cities. And um, so I wrote a lyric in a bridge of one of my new songs or kind of talking about how we put people in boxes, whether it's on a screen <laughs> like we are here, but but not in a real conversation, but like on Instagram and Facebook and, and in metal boxes on the highway. Um, and it's just saying, pretty sure they're filled with others headed my way. Like there's, I'm pretty sure there's other real people in these boxes that are dealing with not necessarily the same issues, but you know, going through their own struggles and trying to head towards their goals in life. Well, it's something, right? They're coming with an I am, that's for sure. Whether they know it or not, you know it, which is the real awareness factor. Have you found the um, that your your music is influenced by this, like your lyrics and such? Have you examined that at all? Um, I have personally, like recently, um, before the I am I like recent like right before I started focusing a lot on just like I think as an artist like you kind of go through phases where you just make like fun music and then you make um like I don't know just you like and there's always a place for all that music still I still love to make just like some party music sometimes but once you make you get like all of that creativity kind of out of you um in that first sort of era you mature to finding like what can I use this vehicle to say? And like, what can I do with my music and through my music? Um, so around that same time, uh, I, I spoke with Tristan and started learning about the I Am. So now um, I'm starting to like, I rewrite lyrics so much because I don't want um, someone to get the wrong emotional expression or be influenced the wrong way um, so I'm always trying to find a different way to depict something or portray something. 
That's really interesting because one of the things I've learned sitting across from this brilliant man is that words really matter and pick them very carefully. Absolutely. I, I was going to say that a minute ago, like, um, you know, reflect in, reflective instead of reflexive and like wondering and not worry. Like these things are easy ways that you can remember to really switch things in your mind and words matter so much like that. That is as an artist, that makes a big deal to me. Like it's it's very impactful to me because I love words. <laughs> I think we have to take this opportunity to really ask, um, Dr. Joe, how did this start for you? Uh, I haven't had a chance to speak with you very much and I'm very glad to be here now. So what made you start examining and wondering um, and reflecting and like coming up with this model? How did that start? Well, thank you, Q, and both of you for being here. It, it started... It started way back when, long, long before you both were born. <laughs> um, I, I was doing my pre-med. Uh, I graduated college and it was 1982. I'd been out of school for a couple of years thinking, what am I going to do? And I had to do all my pre-med studies. And one of the things I had to take was physics. As I say, you guys still awake? Because you know, whenever I say physics, people immediately fall asleep. But, but in physics, the symbol capital I stands for potential current. It's for part of an equation on electricity. And I thought, what if we just flip it upside down and we call it a current potential? And what if we look at everyone at a maximum current potential, doing the best they can at every moment in time with the potential to change in the very next second to another best they can. And that was the beginning. But I realized that we were influenced by four domains. As we said, the home domain, the social domain, which is everything other than the home. These are two external domains. And then the internal domains of our biology and our IC domain. What I didn't know was that I had taken this medical concept called the biopsychosocial model and extended it by integrating something called theory of mind, which nobody was really studying at that point. I didn't know anything about it. But I think, I think it actually goes further back than that. Because in college, I was doing a lot of theater, but I also got really interested in something called sociobiology, which was the genetics of behavior. It was created by this guy, E.O. Wilson, who was a professor at Harvard. Um, and I found out about this as, as a freshman and I studied it a lot as a sophomore. And then I wanted to go and study with Wilson. Uh, and I wound up actually being able to go up to Harvard for my junior year and study with Wilson and, and the rest of those folks. But at the same time that I was learning about sociobiology, I was taking a course called the Western Discovery of Buddhism. And this idea that you know, maybe there is a connection between everything. Maybe the air that we breathe doesn't separate us, but connects us. That was an interesting idea. And then to go back further, um, it was really influenced by seeing a lot of anger in my home. My parents did not really like each other very much. And I had to manage that and realize going through the divorce that they both had their perspectives. 
they both would have loved me to take their perspective, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but they had their perspectives. And at the time, you know, going through that, it was really, it was really so sad to see these two remarkable people be so distressed on a regular basis, angry and sad and worried. And, you know, I was determined to not live my life like that. But I realized even then that even though I didn't like what was going on, this was the best these people could do. I wasn't going to judge them. I would wish that they had been doing something different. But I understood a little bit more about what was going on and why they were doing what they were doing. And that continued to progress as I grew older. So in 1982, uh, I sort of put it all together and started really wondering how would things change when we really do see each other at an IM as doing the best we can with the potential to change, that we don't need to judge each other that we spent so much time judging each other that we sort of miss the beauty. Um, And I wrote an equation. It was not the the logo everybody sees now. It was actually an equation that combined physics and calculus. Um, And it had to do with what I call the dynamic equilibrium, that we were always changing response to these domains. And then really just began applying it in every situation and understanding how we as human beings are these survival machines. Mm -hmm. And we have to survive, but we've spent so much time surviving, worrying that somebody else was going to take something from us. Yes. Or that somebody else was, was better than us. So those ideas of being envious or being suspicious, they're still an I am. One of my books was called Outsmarting Anger. Mm. It's actually my second book. My, my first book was on stress. My second book was on anger. My third book was on fear, at which point my wife said, are you trying to tell me something? <laughs> um, And then the fourth book was on theory of mind. You know, do you really get me? But this last book, Unleashing the Power of Respect, this is the only book that I self-published. It's the only one. All the other books, thank you, Mark. The the other books were published by big, big publishing houses like Hazelden and Josie Bass. um, But I wanted to get this one out during COVID because I felt that, a lot of people were under enormous stress and a lot of people were doubting themselves. And I wanted people to have a way of understanding this power that we have within all of us, this power of respect, which ultimately is much more powerful than the disrespect that so many of us have endured for so long. So I really appreciate you asking because, you know, I know that I say this, my last name is Shrand, I get Shrandios, but I really believe that we can do something with this. I really believe when each of us begins simply 
thinking it through. Keep it frontal. Don't go limbic. Being a person that that respects other people. Q, you, you said it perfectly. I don't have to agree with your perspective, but I will never learn your perspective if you don't trust me. I will never learn it. You will never share it with me if you don't trust me. And it's that respect that leads to the value that leads to trust. And with that trust, we truly can share who we are without worrying that somebody will judge us as less valuable. Yes. So that's, that's the reason behind it. And you know, the audience has, has heard some of this before, but, but I wanna just repeat it. The value thing is so important because millions of years ago, we were not the biggest animal or the fastest or the strongest. We were these isolated mammals scurrying around, hoping not to be lunch. We were the prey. And then we formed these social groups. These social groups where our survival potential has increased so dramatically that human beings are everywhere. You know, we think ourselves as the top of the food chain, which we're not, but besides that, but that's how we sort of have, have looked at ourselves, you know, that, that we're this powerful group that can survive but to access the protection of the group, you must contribute to the group, which means you have to have value. So as soon as our brains perceive through that IC domain that somebody else is seeing us as less valuable, it activates our survival response. That limbic brain, that fight, flight, freeze response. And that's our reflex. But then we can step back because we have a new part of our brain. Mm -hmm. This highly evolved part of our brain, the prefrontal cortex, right? the part of the brain that can, and, and it can solve a problem, execute a plan, anticipate what will happen next, happens to also be the site of theory of mind. It's right, right on behind your forehead. Quick question there. Yeah. Um, when you start feeling yourself going into that reflexive, reactive uh, sort of state, what are like a lot of the tells and a lot of the sort of, um, you know, things you can look out for to, to stop that from continuing? Yeah, absolutely. Great question, because we need to be able to recognize it first. Mm -hmm. Right. Recognition is prefrontal. But think about what happens when you're, you know, crossing the street and you hear a car and you get that jarring feeling that, you know, my heart might beat, my, my jump a little bit, I get that anxiety, a pit in my stomach. Mm -hmm. Those are the warning signs. Those are the cues that your limbic system has been activated. And it could be anger, right? It could be fear. It could be depression. It could be any of these things where I feel this feeling that means something has changed in my I am. Something has happened in my home or social domain that through my IC domain, I perceive something that potentially is decreasing my value, which has activated my biological response. Mm -hmm. And then we can recognize it and step back and look again and respect what has just happened. 
And then we can do something different. Because the prefrontal cortex has the capacity to anticipate what will happen next if I do this now. And folks, honestly, think about it. If we remain limbic as a species, we will destroy ourselves because we will activate that anger response in everyone else. You don't need to do that anymore. You don't need to do it. Tristan, offline, we, you had a question. Yeah, so I was just thinking about how um, it seems like for some of us, it's easier to apply this I am approach or give that compassion to other people, but harder to give it to ourselves and forgive ourselves or um, give ourselves that same respect and compassion. And perhaps for some people, it's the other way around where they're able to give it to themselves, but not to others. And I'm just curious if you guys have found or if you, Dr. Joe, have found that that it often starts this process with others or with the person themselves or how those might um, influence one another? Um, <clears throat> see, as, as a psychiatrist, um, I have the remarkable opportunity of working with people in their time of need. And every person who has come to see me on some level has felt less valuable. And so I have the opportunity to remind them of their value. And part of the way I do that is teach them the I am. And as they learn the I am, I think it does start with themselves. It can be difficult because they have blamed themselves and beaten themselves up for a long time, or they have felt it was always somebody else's fault of what's happened to them. Now, if it's always somebody else's fault, you're never in control. If you're not in control, you're always going to be limbic and angry, anxious, or sad. So one of the first things that my folks learn is that that may have been somebody else's I am, that Daphne was someone else's I am, that the only reason that other person could feel valuable, the only way they could feel valuable was to make you feel less valuable. But you are not less valuable. This is your I am. So I, I do think that for most people, that is the biggest challenge. And part of that is because we've grown up in a world where we've always been told we should do better. You're not just, not just doing, you're not doing good enough. You need to earn more money. You need to have more security. You need to have and have and have and have. And I think that leaves a lot of people feeling inadequate and that they are just never going to make it. So the first thing really is being able, it's, it's, it's not just, it's not forgiving yourself. It's not even accepting yourself. It's just recognizing, okay, so this is how I've responded to my four domains. This is the best I could do because I was being reflexive. But now I can look at it, yeah. When my parents were arguing in my growing up years, that had an effect on my I am. I'm talking absolutely personally. And, you know, I then had to do certain things to try to balance that. Now, I, I was fortunate as well. You know, I, I had an opportunity that, that I can tell you only 21 kids had. And that was being 
on Zoom, and this starts in 21, and being a, a national celebrity at the age of 13 and 14. That absolutely had an effect on my I am. But one of the things that my mother taught me early on was to respect every single person who came up and asked for an autograph, because that may have been a great challenge for that person to be able to do that. You know, it takes a lot of courage to go up to somebody who you see at a different level than you to ask them for something. So that, that really taught me how to respect other people early on. But to answer your question, I think, I think that it is harder to see ourselves at an I am, and perhaps easier to see somebody else at an I am. But we need to be cautious that seeing somebody else at an I am doesn't mean you say, well, no wonder they're doing as lousy as they are, because look at their I am, you know? I mean, they're what a loser. That's the best they can do is be a loser. So I do think we need to be cautious with that, but I, I really believe that, I really believe we have the capacity in each of us to value other people. And you guys have heard me say this, whenever you remind someone of their value, you increase your own value. I mean, who doesn't wanna be around somebody who makes them feel like they're valuable? So we can do that for each other not faking it. You're right. I don't have to condone what somebody's doing. And Tristan, you had said it earlier, you're going to hold them accountable. But accountability is not the same as blame. It's not the same as shame. It's saying, you know, your I am is having an influence on me. Is that what you really want to do? We all want the same thing. We feel valuable. But what do you think? Which one do you think is more difficult, Tristan? I think it, I think in general, it's probably more difficult to to see ourselves at an I am, except in those moments where we're getting upset with someone else, where they're disrespecting us, and then I think we um, a, a lot of us default to not seeing others that way. Um, but I was just thinking about as well the the idea of um, reminding others of their value rather than putting them down. It's like two ways to increase value, but one is positive and one's negative. Like trying to increase your own by putting others down. I think I think in in the music field as well as in every field, there are um, there are people who go about it both ways. And it's like I could go out to a show or something, or even with someone I'm teaching lessons to or something. It's like you know. I could give uh, critical feedback and just make other people feel like they're less than and think that that somehow builds me up or um, honestly point out the wonderful things that other people are doing. If you're looking closely enough, even, even, even a performance that might not be my favorite, there are things they're doing that are amazing and that are great and that I can point out to them. And um, rather than just being critical of others, pointing out, um, not, not in a fake way, but genuinely pointing out the things people are doing really well and how that makes you feel, um, increases your value. It feels good. It makes them feel good. Um, it's like with students, uh, before I give them any kind of critique, I try to always lead with something positive that they're doing a great job at. Oftentimes something they take for granted, 
Like, do you recognize the way you're doing this? Like a year ago, you didn't know how to do that. And now you're doing it effortlessly. And then I'll point out one or two things that they, you know, that I think they could grow on. And then I'll often sandwich it back with something positive again at the end. Um, but I try to remind them to do that with themselves. And that's one of my mentors, Richie Hart in college, a great guitar instructor. Um, he, he was very strong about this with me where he would ask me after a lesson like how do you think you did with that song we were just playing or that jam we just did and i would start critiquing myself and he'd be like whoa 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 he's like always start with with the positive first he's like especially with yourself he's like you need to notice and be aware of the things you're doing well before you start critiquing and looking for um for what you can work on so i wonder whether that i'm sorry mark did you want to say something tremendous advice like how you talk to yourself is so so very important yeah and i'm wondering whether that actually is one of the small changes that we can ask you know the im has two truths small changes have big effects because the domains interact so tristan let me start with you what small change can you recommend to our listeners based on what we're talking about i think a small change um in that IC domain is just taking that step back to recognize um, if you're coming from trust or fear, or if you are um, to recognize the ways in which you are doing a really good job, like even with everything that's going on, um, before you start kind of critiquing yourself or looking for, oh, I'm not achieving enough, really kind of looking at um okay given given the circumstances this week how busy i've been this 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 like i'm actually doing a pretty good job with a lot of these things and then looking at how to shift and improve because we're you know if we're looking for ways to improve our lives um i think that's a big one for me physically in the biological domain i find um it's really important to get outside and to take a break um give ourselves a physical and mental break from our our work even just a going for a walk or something like that has been really big. And I think the pandemic made that apparent to a lot of us being, being cooped up. Okay. Same question for you. Yeah. Small um, changes to big effects. What do you recommend? Uh, this is a small change that like, um, I'll just say like self-honesty um, in every situation. It has, it has a big effect and it's something that um, I've grown and I'm still growing in just um, being willing to like, and really inventory and analyze like what's going on at any given moment with like how you feel about something and uh, what's motivating you. It kind of goes hand in hand with uh, what Tristan was saying about trust and fear, which is a very great, concise way to to look at that. But just honesty about everything um, and um, practicing manifestation is something else. And like just to speak on that a little bit, just like um living in imagination um re realistically but like speaking things into existence and writing down goals and then working you know for them and reading those goals back and um just like there's a lot of uh kind of small things that play into manifestation i believe i, I agree and with that in mind the second truth of the i am Everyone's interested in what you think or feel about them, which has an effect on their biological domain. You know, it feels different when you feel respected or disrespected. And this means you control no one, you influence everyone. You get to choose the kind of influence 
you want to be? Question ATL, I'm going to start with you. What kind of influence do you want to be? I want to be an influence of love. Um, that's the best way I know how to say it. Uh, I've always had like a lighthearted energy, like a like kind of excited energy. And I just want to influence people to like embrace that in themselves and go for whatever they want to do. If you have the ability to create something, I want to inspire people to be like, yeah, I can do this. This is where my idea is at. Like, so I just try to um, bolster that in people and, you know, influence them with love. Kristen, you control no one, you influence everyone. You get to choose the kind of influence you want to be. Kind of influence, Tristan. I really, um, whether it's with my students or my family members or with people in an audience that I'm performing for, I really want to make other people feel valued for just how they are right now. Um, I think a lot of us feel like I'll be valuable once I achieve this or once I achieve that. And especially someone who's learning an instrument or working on a craft, it's like, you know, once I'm good enough, then I'll be valuable. And I'll remind people all the time, I would rather jam with someone as a total beginner in their first lesson than by myself. Like I, I would love, I, I value that time with them, that conversation with them personally, musically. Um, so I think, I think reminding people of that value um, feels really good. And especially asking the why behind why we do things, not just the how do I learn music or how do I learn this? How do I do that? But, but the why, which for me has always been about um, self-expression and healing and connection, like can help it making us feel more connected to one another. Being a connection. So we're almost out of time, but how do we find both of you? Tristan, so we have a website. How do we find you? Yeah, my website is uh, Tristan Jantz, T-R-I-S-T-A-N-J-A-N-T-Z.com. Uh, and I have some, some music and videos up on there and you can contact me through there about lessons and anything else you want to ask about. Question ATL, how do we get in touch with you? Find yeah, your work. Question, questionatlmusic.com, please feel free to tap in. Um, also question ATL on all social media. Show love, I show love back. Got the new EP on all streaming platforms. Awesome. It's been great. Thank you so much, both of you, for, for talking about your experiences with the I Am. Thank truly, you. Thank truly you great. Thanks for having us. You Mark and Tom, thank you. It's, we'll see you next week, folks. Thanks, everybody.